This is County Fire Insight for Tuesday, March 9, 2021. I thank you for joining me uh, with the team setup and Tracy Martinez and her team has been working very hard on the setup and we hope that we're going to have better um, distribution of our messages. It's going to be received a little clearer than what we were getting through Facebook. So thank you for joining me. If, if you find out that anybody has a problem accessing this team's platform, if you would let Tracy Martinez know, we want to make sure that we've given you every opportunity to, to watch and listen to our communication. Want to uh, first start off by uh, mentioning there was, a, there was a comment right at the end of our last Facebook insight in the form of a question, and I didn't get the opportunity to answer that question. I'm sorry. Sometimes when we're speaking, and in that case, it was within the last 20 or 30 seconds, I just didn't know there was a question asked. But I'll go ahead and, and answer that now. And the question um, was asking about the squad and patrol conversions and uh, new funded engines, specifically in the North Desert Service Zone, and how FP5 expansion uh, how will that money be helpful in dedicating to floor staffing? So thank you very much for that question. Uh, me not answering at the time wasn't dodging that question at all. It's just that I didn't know that it was there. When Chief Hartwig, Chief Trapp, and myself spoke about FP5 in front of the Board of Supervisors and to the various community meetings that we went to, we always had a clear message, all three of us, which was FP5 gets us close to making us whole but it doesn't produce any new money for the district. Uh, that's even more true today as expenditures have gone up in certain areas. FP5 hasn't given us millions of dollars to add new apparatus. If it had, we would, because increasing staffing, especially in the North Desert Service Zone, the South Desert Service Zone, the city of San Bernardino continues to be a priority and we're going to look at every opportunity to increase staffing. But what we have done is cut costs. And the way that we've done it is we put two great leaders in two new divisions. And Shane Glaze will be speaking today on the wildland and aviation. He'll talk a little bit about what he's doing as a division chief that's reducing those expenditures and raising revenues. And then we'll have Joe Barna come on to discuss the, the EMS division and the things that he's doing as well to capture our revenues that are possible. The reason why we're doing this and oh, by the way, these revenues that Shane alone has made in the last couple of months have more than paid for his position 10 times over. But the reason we're doing that is because if we can cut costs, then we can increase staffing in those areas that we know that we need to have staffing in. Now, I mentioned we're going to take advantage of every opportunity we can. One of those advantages is a safer grant. The only time, technically the County of San Bernardino's fire has never put in for a safer grant. The city of Hesperia did a number of years ago. Um, and we funded some positions. And the idea has always been, we're not gonna use a safer grant because we're not sure we can afford the positions at the end. This year we're submitting for four different stations, so 12 positions. And the idea is let's convert some of these two-person units to three-person units. We need to increase staffing. We need to get fire engines into the North Desert area, into the South Desert, and into the San Bernardino. Specifically that the areas that we've identified where we want to increase staffing immediately is along the 1540 freeway in uh, the Hesperia area, Hesperia Oak Hills, out along Havasu Lake at Station 18, and then here in the north end of San Bernardino City. 
by taking advantage of the SAFER grant, um, we're, we're able to get those salaries and benefits paid 100% the first year. And then the second year, 70%, the third year drops off from there. But as we're going, and as Shane is working, and as uh, Joe Barna is working on reducing expenditures, that's how we're going to be able to afford those positions moving forward. If we had the money right now, we would just pay for new fire engines to go in. Uh, we could probably think of 12 different spots to put those engines in. But that money just does not exist. So we need to take an incremental approach. This involved meeting with each board member explaining what we're doing, but it also involved some of the due diligence that we're doing to cut our expenditures to ensure that we have the revenue fo moving forward to pay for these positions. So I want to thank our two new division chiefs for all the work that they've done. They've done a tremendous job in helping us get a secure, a better secure position financially for our district. This budget year, we're preparing hard, and we um, are looking to manage the district in a different direction. We're really focusing on planning over the next several years what our needs are. We're focusing on those needs. If your fire engine or fire station, it needs upgrades, we are going to make sure you have a safe living environment. We're gonna make sure you have safe apparatus right now. But we know that we probably have 16 or 17 fire stations that are in need of replacement. And if we keep spending $500,000 here, $400,000 here, $600,000 here, we'll never actually replace those stations. As Chief Washington spoke before, we're working on a facilities plan. We're hiring a contractor to come in to do a facilities, to rate our facilities and, and make a determination order of what needs to be done to each facility when they need to be replaced. And we're working very closely with the CEO's office and the board to replace those stations. Chief Washington's also mentioned that we have two of those stations in planning phase right now, 227, 226. And Chief Washington and I are gonna be leaving this presentation a little bit earlier to go talk about the Rosina Ranch station. So we're actively moving forward with the planning. Budget-wise, we're looking well. We've made some cuts in certain areas. Um, we've definitely had some increases in costs. We're looking to add staffing when we can, but we're able to live within our means today with FP5 and with our, 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 our property tax that we receive. Property tax is exceeding our expectations. We had budgeted in the valley that it would go up a couple of percent. It's exceeded that. In the deserts, we had budgeted that it would stay flat. And obviously, you guys are watching what's happening to house housing around here. It's incredible. There's been a lot of revenues. I want to thank you every day for those that are getting out and be involved in the community. We know that we're going to face a repeal of FP5 again. The best thing that we can do is have those community connections with the schools, with the, the senior centers, with the MACs, with the neighborhoods that we serve, to the citizens that we serve, so they know that we're their fire department. So please continue to look for opportunities, especially as COVID, we're moving into the red tier, which is gonna allow us some additional opportunities to get out there and be involved in your communities. That's never been more important than it is today. Communicate. Please pass up any issues through your battalion chief, through your union, so that they come up the chain. If there's something that I should know, please tell your union or your battalion chief, say, hey, this is something we want Chief Muncie to be aware of, or Chief Washington or Chief Marshall. Don't assume we know everything that's going on in the fire department. We really want to know, um, but it's hard to know everything. It's hard to know what the daily talks around the kitchen table and what your daily lives are, or even what your needs are. We need your help to pass information up the chain. 
If we can do a better job of communicating with you, please let us know. Uh, I know that there's a chat function on Teams. If it's something that's that you want answered, but it may take a little bit more than something verbal, then just put in there, hey, can we get a written response to this or an email to this? And we're happy to, to make sure that we're addressing your comments. If it's appropriate for labor management, please pass it up through the union. We'll be happy to address that there, but communication continues to be very important. I know that uh, community risk reduction has never been one of our three C's, but I've asked that community risk reduction really be a part of this fire department. It's interesting that last, less than 5% of fire district fire department budgets are spent on prevention. Just by the nature of it, uh, our budgets are geared towards response, as it should be. But there's little things that we can do that cost no money that reduce the danger to the public. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bothered by the amount of civilian deaths that we had over the last two months. And the commonality with those civilian deaths is that none of them had a working smoke detector. Doing simple things, like when you're on a medical aid, just checking somebody's smoke detector, or uh, there's been certain Red Cross programs that we've been involved with over the years to install smoke detectors. Doing those little things can really make a difference in our citizens' lives that we're serving. But I will get to the three C's, or, and I mentioned two of them already, community and communication. The third thing that I'm really proud of in this organization is collaboration. And um, I don't even need to mention it. The feedback that I get from the elected officials, from the area fire departments, from the ambulances, from the different departments in the cities that you work with or in the county is tremendous. They truly believe that the county fire department is an outstanding collaborator and a cooperator. And we certainly could not have done that with you and the work that you do every day. I'm so proud of this organization. I'm proud of each and every one of you and the work that you do. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Before I leave, is there any questions that I need to answer? Not yet, sir. Okay. I need to go talk about Rosina Ranch. This is an important step of, of making sure that we have great coverage, especially in, in that north area of, of our, our jurisdiction along that foothill. Thank you very much. I'm gonna have Chief Washington come up. Thank you, Chief. Uh, well, first of all, I just wanna say uh, thank you to all, all, all the support and all the work that everyone's doing each and every day. Uh, certainly shows and when we get opportunities to get out to the public or even amongst our elected officials and uh, other leaders throughout the county uh, we hear about your efforts. Uh, so one thing that I want to share with uh, you is that we're working on a plan uh, regarding a return from uh, our COVID staffing and uh, so I think it's just important to mention that we hope to have a plan disseminated by March 15th uh, the numbers in our county are looking very, very good. And so you can look for something you can, uh, you know, regarding that, re, you know, regarding how we have a phased approach in uh, you know, returning to the workplace. So if you have any questions or concerns or things that you think need to be addressed, uh, please speak with your supervisor and I will be uh, you know, communicating with the supervisors and managers between now and that time. You know, regarding our stations, again, Chief Munchie mentioned a lot about it. You know, I would just add that for Station 226, uh, we, we have secured a uh, $7 million budget to complete that, that station. And, uh, and we expect that it's gonna go before the board as far as approval of the station design in May. 
And so again, these wheels are in motion. Uh, we've been making a lot of good pro uh, pro progress along the way. And, uh, and you'll see more as uh, the days or weeks and months come about. So also with our apparatus, uh, we've got a lot of great work done by our new vehicle services manager, uh, Dale Sandoval. And so what he's been able to do uh, with a lot of help from Chief Marshall and, and others is to help secure a, uh, a very solid roadmap ahead of how we ensure the proper replacement re of our vehicles. And so you can see things such as, for instance, uh, our goal would be that with our engine companies, for examples, uh, or for example, would be replaced uh, basically with a 20-year lifespan, uh, 15 years frontline, and then five in reserve. Re re and so a lot of these guidelines are from uh, expert sources such as NFPA. Uh, but we're also making allowances so that we can adjust where need where uh, need be. If something needs to be replaced sooner, then we have some metrics in uh, place to measure that. Uh, so again, uh, but a, a nice solid foundation that we're standing on as far as a replacement plan, which will allow us to uh, uh, set out a plan for uh, the year, five years, and even long term, such as. 20 years as we try to make sure we have the budget, not just for the short term, but also for the long term. Uh, there's also been a lot of uh, uh, you know, progress with the recruitments. And we have Chief Hubble here today who's going to share some a lot of specifics regarding that, or at least some of the high, the high level specifics regarding the recruitments. Uh, but some of the uh, uh, high priority ones that we have are, are uh, firefighters and our AOs. And so of the AOs, you know, we have approximately 200 that are in process now. Of, co of course, the bulk of those are at the AO EMT level. Uh, we already have a certified list for the AO paramedics, and uh, we hope to have the certified list for the AO e EMT by the end of the week. And so the testing is out. Uh, there's still a little time for some of the candidates to uh, put in some of their uh, certifications. Uh, and, and, and then that kind of translates a bit into the priority that we have regarding the laterals. And so uh, with our lateral fire, firefighter medics, uh, that process is closed. Uh, there is still a little bit of time for some of those candidates to submit some of their paperwork, some of their licenses and things such as such as that. Uh, you know, but again, we hope to get uh, at least a dozen or so uh, completely through that process so that they can be a part of the uh, tower. So and speaking of the tower, uh, I'd like to turn it over to Assistant Chief Grant Hubble, who's going to speak with you a bit about some, uh, you know, some of those items. Chief. Thank you, Chief. I'm going to actually step in real quick. Sure. I'm Absolutely. sorry. That's fine. Uh, we just want to take a moment and show you folks how to uh, post a question. So as you're watching, there's a, a little bubble up here that has a question mark in it. All you do, once again, can you see it, Kyle? Kind of closer. Sure. <clears throat> All you do is just, can you see? Mm -hmm. All you do is just press the little question mark bubble, and it'll go here, and you just post your question. If you post, if you click on where it says um, post as anonymous, we will not accept your question. So just go back and it'll go on once again, post the bubble, do the question, and you're all done. Thank you.
Chief Hubble. Thank you, Tracy. Good afternoon, County Fire. Uh, Grant Hubble, Assistant Chief of Division 11, uh, Training and Safety. Um, I'm here today to talk about um, some exciting things that are happening within Division 11. Uh, specifically talk about towers, that's right, towers with an S. Uh, we have Tower 12 and Tower 13 right on the horizon. Uh, to talk about also our tower cadre um, and the expansion of our tower cadre, um, as well as give some highlights on the development of our two-year training plan. So I'll start off with our tower cadre recruitment, uh, which is closed. Uh, it did close last Friday. Uh, I want to thank everyone that did submit a resume uh, to join our tower cadre. Uh, we received interest from both the captain, engineer, and firefighter level. Uh, robust interest, actually. We, we received a total of 25 resumes. Uh, so for those of you that submitted, thank you. Um, you'll be hearing from uh, Division 11 soon uh, in regards to a selection interview, uh, day and time and location. So the reason why we're expanding the cadre kind of leads into our, our uh, discussion about our next two towers. Uh, we currently have uh, five tower cadre members uh, and we're looking to expand that uh, up to 10 new additional cadre members. A couple of reasons for that. One, um, to provide for some succession planning and mentoring within the tower cadre and also to give us depth within the tower cadre. Uh, that leads into the next topic uh, of our towers. So tower 12 uh, we are in um, the active planning stages for both of our towers, but specifically Tower 12. Um, I wanted to announce uh, here um, on Insight that uh, Captain Nick Turner uh, will be our tower coordinator for Tower 12. Um, he'll be working alongside uh, Captain Scott Leidner as the tower administrator. Um, and then we'll also be relying on Captain Matt Anderson as our subject matter expert. So Matt, you're not completely out of it yet. Uh, so uh, the start date for Tower 12 is currently slated for August 2nd. 18-week uh, tower uh, prop puts the recruits on the floor roughly around the first week uh, in December. Uh, so Tower 12, like uh, Chief Washington has mentioned, Tower 12 will include a mix of firefighter trainees uh, which are currently in the background phase right now, um, as well as our lateral entry recruitment that just closed last Friday. So we'll have a mix of both uh, lateral entry uh, candidates as well as our firefighter trainees. Uh, Tower 13, like I mentioned, we're, we're planning for Tower 13 as well. Uh, that recruitment uh, will open here within the next several weeks. And that is slated to start uh, approximately January 17th of 2022. Again, another 18-week tower. They'll be released to the floor approximately around May 23rd. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the development of our two-year training plan. So that is something that uh, myself um, and the training officers uh, in conjunction with Chief Washington, we've been working on very hard over the last several months. Uh, focusing on what, what does training look like um, and what does that plan look like with the focus uh, to deliver training to the battalions and to the divisions that's led by a training officer from RSTC. 
Uh, so we're in the process of coming up with a draft on that plan. Um, it, will be, uh, it will be discussed and then uh, brought forward to the organization. Uh, we're looking at uh, starting that um, on or around July 1st of this year. I wanted to read three quick objectives to you that really define what our training plan is going to center on. Uh, the first one is develop a system to deliver high quality, consistent training to the organization that allows for and ensures our pers personnel are mission ready. The second, ensure training plan serves as a comprehensive, all hazards approach that meets or exceeds federal, state, and local regulations as well as the needs of the fire district. And finally, develop rank-specific training plans that provide for career and promotional development and succession planning, which will enable fire district members to reach their full potential as public servants. So if you have any questions, uh, give me a call, uh, send me an email. And uh, like I said, I'm proud uh, that uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening within the training division. Uh, now I'd like to turn it over to Division Chief Shane Glaze. Thank you, Grant. Good afternoon, County Fire Shane Glaze from Division 13. Uh, I want to go over quite a few things. I want to give a, a, a brief uh, oversight of, of the camp system and what's there and, and how things function and uh, how things look in, in regards to our budget. Uh, the vision for this uh, division is a self-sustaining program for crews and heavy equipment. So, so what does that look like? Um, crew 6. Crew 6 costs the, the district about $1.8 million a year for that crew. The good thing is uh, we had a great fire season last year when it comes to getting that crew out and getting experience and capturing that revenue. So Crew 6 brought in approximately $1.5 million on reimbursements and OES. Uh, staffing and by the end of this fiscal year they'll have about three hundred thousand uh, dollars completed in project work so that crew is um, it'll be cost neutral to the district this fiscal year uh, on April 12th we'll be bringing back our seasonal employees crew 6 will be staffed with 22 personnel this year and the great thing is we've been working on it for eight years and we've finally reached that goal of making crew six a type one crew. That will happen in May. The primary focus for crew six in uh, May and June is we've got about $200,000 of fuels reduction work for code enforcement land use services in the mountaintop. And they'll be doing fuels reduction projects uh, in those communities uh, to allow people to exit during a fire. We're gonna support crew six on going to fires again this fire season and Crew 6 will be working Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the plan for this fire season. Camp 15. Camp 15 is our inmate fire camp. That's our crew that's staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and those personnel, um, uh, county fire personnel, are assigned on shift work, A, B, and C shift. They're currently staffed with 16 inmates and our minimum number is 12. So if we get below that number of 12 inmates, uh, we cannot take a crew out. So we do have some, some concerns and we're working with the Sheriff's Department in regards to uh, inmates being released uh, back out on the streets. 
Uh, currently, in, in the county jail system, we're overpopulated with state inmates, which a lot of the county inmates are being released, which those are the inmates we use on our fire crews. So we are anticipating a, a, a slight pause, possibly as soon as April or May, for our fire camp uh, 15. Uh, that, that camp costs about uh, $1.2 million a year, and we cannot charge for the inmate labor. We can only charge for the overhead and the supervision and the vehicles for that cruise. So they've brought in about 200000 between projects and fire this fiscal year. So they're upside down about uh, 900 to a, to a million. Uh, but the good thing is, uh, we'll talk about here going down, is uh, uh, overall the camp brought in a lot of money with fires and, and projects this year to support Camp 15. I'm sure most of you have heard we're working on Crew 7. Crew 7 is a new crew that uh, we're working on with veterans. Um, Captains uh, Sam Thomas and James Salazar have been working very hard the last couple weeks. In fact, they completed the application process with DOD yesterday, the Department of Defense, to apply uh, allowing veterans to come work on our hand crews. And what that looks like is the last six months of these veterans deployments, they'll be uh, working for us on our fire crew, uh, depending uh, on the approval of the application process uh, from the DOD. And we're hoping to start this program in June. And if that's the case, we'll be able to run a 16 person crew with uh, a superintendent, an assistant superintendent, a couple FSA-3s, and um, a couple of our FSA-1s from Crew 6 from last year, and uh, 10 veteran members on this crew on a daily basis. Most likely, they'll be working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That gives us seven-day coverage uh, for our paid crews, where in the past, uh, you guys are all aware, uh, usually on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, we never had a paid crew to go send out to an incident. We're, we're planning this year to have two paid crews on, so we'd have paid crew coverage seven days a week. Uh, we, our goal for this crew is to make them a type 2 IA by fire season. And uh, the next thing I want to talk about is our heavy equipment program. Our heavy equipment program, we've had heavy equipment in this department for uh, 24 years. And uh, we've never really had it fully staffed uh, a program. Uh, I think we're there this year. So we've moved forward with planning and making this happen. Our target date is July 1st to have the program staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Currently, it's, it's staffed five days a week with uh, two operators. Uh, Ted Moore is assigned to fire camp. He's working a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shift. And then Paul Anastasia is, is covering when he's available on overtime for the Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, we currently have some projects coming up. We're working with code enforcement, land use services for some uh, houses that have burned here in San Bernardino City along with Yucca Valley. And we're gonna tear those houses down and, and they pay us uh, uh, for that type of project work. We're also hosting the US Forest Service Dozer Academy this year in April and May. Um, we'll have operators throughout the nation at our fire camp. Uh, we've got uh, three operators from OCFA. We've got five operators from LA City, uh, a department out in Nevada, and then U.S. Forest Service personnel throughout the nation. And like I said, we'll be hosting that at uh, the Glen Helen Fire Camp this year in April and May. 
probably one of the most exciting things for, for you on the floor is we purchased an excavator. The excavator is getting delivered this week. So I'm hoping by next week we should have an excavator staffed and available for you on those overhauls and those structure fires and those commercial structure fires. And we've ordered it with a thumb. So we're able to grab that material and tear those walls down and, and separate that material to help you guys mop up. The dozer program, we've spent about $500,000 this year on the program. Uh, at, currently we've made about 650,000, so we're about 150,000 above. And then we've got about another $200,000 in project work lined out at the remaining of this fiscal year. So things are looking real good on the heavy equipment side. And uh, we do plan on hiring an additional operator by July 1st to, uh, to close that loop to get this thing staffed 24-7. In regards to the helicopter program, that's in conjunction with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. Um, we've got two personnel over there. Uh, they work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. And uh, last week I was over there working with the sheriff's pilots. Uh, they finished their red carding uh, with the U.S. Forest Service last week and all the pilots got carded for this fire season. And uh, they've also trained with the sheriff's uh, dive team last month over at uh, the dam over in East Highland. Last thing I want to talk about is relationships like the chief talked about. We've built some strong relationships over the years and that's what helps us out with our funding for these programs. So we, about nine years ago, we approached uh, land use services and that's the weed abatement and fuels reduction work that we do. We get a, a several hundred thousand dollars a year from them to do that type of work. Also red tagged homes for our heavy equipment. We've also established a, uh, an MOU this year with the County Department of Public Works and Flood Control for a million dollars worth of project work and, and they've really been using us a lot with our heavy equipment and our hand crews this year and that will continue. We've also uh, established a relationship and working on an MOU with the IERCD, it's the Inland Empire Resource Conservation District and uh, we do a lot of fuels mitigation work for them and uh, post uh, fire recovery up in Oak Glen we did a lot of work with our crews and heavy equipment up there. We also have a, uh, an MOU with the County Regional Parks for fuels mitigation. Our uh, inmate crews have been working at Yukaipa Regional Park for the past uh, eight weeks doing fuels mit mitigation work in the county parks. We also have a strong working relationship with the City of Hesperia. We've had crews working up there for the past month on the golf course and some other projects of, of, of land that the city owns. And one of the big game changers for us is the relationship with CAL FIRE. Uh, that relationship in the past year has, has really gotten good. Uh, they hired our dozer to come in and cover behind theirs when theirs left. And we brought in about $220,000 this year just on the heavy equipment side covering behind CAL FIRE. And that will continue. We've also got a strong working relationship with US Forest Service in hosting their dozer academy. We've uh, reached out to Southern California Edison and PG&E and we're working on um, some suggested fuel reduction agreements with them as well. Uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Uh, Chief Tar Tom Marshall. Uh, good afternoon family. Um, well first of all you know Shane uh, talked about a lot of the financial parts and, and recoveries and stuff like that and I'll tell you when uh, when I first met with Shane when he got promoted um, I said, Shane, the camp has got to be financially independent. We, we can't be um, using resources from the other divisions. 
um, to keep funding that. And um, without saying the words, he essentially said, watch this and hold my beer. Um, so he's turned it around. Thank you, Shane. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing what you're doing there. So keep that up. Um, Chief Hubble, with uh, the interest that you're telling me that we're having with uh, the cadre for the tower, um, that's really great to hear because that's such an important position for us. You know, not just teaching teaching our techniques and doing things the way we do things, um, but just uh, inoculating them with this our culture right from the start. So I'm um, planting January that seed 19, for success. That's such an important position. So thanks all of you for stepping up and um, volunteering for that program. A um, couple of updates uh, operationally. Uh, most of you know already that the uh, uh, XBO incident management team, we will be demobilizing on March 13th. Um, while we still have two more vaccination dates after that, which the last vaccination date for the uh, XBO IMT will actually be March 17th. So those folks, most of the folks that are assigned to the IMT from BDC will be going back to the floor, but our BDC commitment is still there to assist, uh, to assist all of you out in fire station land and, and wherever you're working at. So we're not gonna send everybody home. We'll still be doing some logistical stuff, some financial stuff. And of course the DECOs are gonna stay in, engaged with the medical stuff as well. So while we are going to disband the XBO IMT, the BDC IMT is still here to serve. So um, that's where we're at. I just said the vaccinations, the last one for the XBO will be the 17th. Um, however, I've talked with Division Chief Barna and uh, his EMS staff, and we've asked them to uh, put in the proper paperwork and applications so that we can be a point of distribution for um, our own personnel. Uh, whether they're new hires or once we get enough vaccination um, in the county where we can start doing that, we still want to try to do that for our family members. So we're going to be uh, ready for that um, anyway. Uh, another operational update is um, I'm currently working with LA County, Orange County, Ventura County, and Santa Barbara County. Um, the five of us, we've all worked together cooperatively and trying to work on the CFAA agreement and with the Forest Service instead of just doing um, local agreements that change from locale to locale. We want it to be generic for everybody and make sure that everybody's interests are being invested. Um, so that's where we're at on that. Uh, the USAR Task Force, uh, Regional Task Force 6 um, has been a regional task force for I don't know, 10 or 11 years now. Um, but it's always been manned by BDC personnel only. Um, and we have, a, we have trouble staffing all of those positions in times of need. So we are gonna open that up to the XBO, um, to other agencies to become participant agencies. We will still remain the host agency. They will simply be participating agencies. Um, so county council is actually working on the actual agreement that will have to go to them and get approved by their boards our board and all of those legal things that have to be done. So um, look for that regional task force to actually be regional and not just a BDC team. Um, that's all I have for updates for me, unless we have any further questions. We are on a 30 second delay, so we will just hang around for a little while and see if we get any questions. At this point, we have no questions. Okay. So while we're, while we're waiting on that 30 seconds, look for questions. Um, just everybody stay safe out there. Um, 
uh, we appreciate the work that you're doing every day, um, day in, day out. So stay engaged, stay focused. This has been County Fire Insight for Tuesday, March 9, 2021.